Pastor Stone, come on up. I tell you what, give him a great big hand clap. Um, real quickly, I've known Pastor Stone. This will be the third time you've been here. I, I tell you what, I can honestly say this with all my heart. This man is so genuine. He has such a humble and sweet spirit about him. And uh, it, it's captivating when people talk to you that they just sense that you're not just a preacher, but... <laughs> We agreed on 20. No. <laughs> but you just sense that you're just not another person, but he truly loves you. And you're going to hear that as he shares this sermon, especially the prayer that he prays for people all over the world. So with that, love you, brother. Come on, give it up for Pastor Tim. What a great man to God. I, uh, I got to collect myself here. Um, before I get started. Um, when the first service ended, a uh, young lady, I don't even know if she's here, Kathy came up and she just cried and poured her heart out um, for her son. Pray for my son. And I'm going to do that. Have done it with her. I'm going to do it uh, once the service is over with. But as I begin to look into her eyes and see her heart, I could feel the same compassion in my heart that Jesus has for each and every one of us. And, and, and Tim, it went from her to hearing about your brother and me losing my brother several months ago. And it's just, uh, we just, have to open our hearts to hear God and to receive God. And the, the worship that um, went on, amen, um, was right on time at the right spot. I don't know how we ever get to the word. I really think that you already brought the word and I think that she already prayed, amen. And Cerise and the praise team already took us uh, out of the natural to the supernatural. I really don't know what's left. <laughs> so, uh, Kurt, go, uh, he, he said, are you going to preach the same thing? Uh, they already preached, Kurt. <laughs> but um, I just thank God for being here. I will say a little bit. Uh, I don't think I'll be as long as the first service, but I will say a little bit here. But before that, uh, I just want to say it to the audience here that you have a wonderful pastor and a pastor wife and Pastor Bo and Pastor Megan. And what makes them also wonderful is that they have a, a wonderful team. Amen. Pastor Tim and... Uh, Pastor or uh, Sister Cerise and all the other pastors at the other locations. Um, God has anointed your pastor uh, with broad vision. He said it last night and everyone that's a pastor or anyone that's doing work for God, 
all you feel on the inside of you is go. God never shows you the end of something. Because if he did, then you'd have it all figured out and you'd stop trusting on him. Amen. So your pastor, I've said it to him um, several times that he's walking in what I call a hybrid situation. Uh, a bishop is one that oversees churches, didn't establish those churches, but churches that felt that we want to be underneath your umbrella. That's basically what a bishop does. It's more about a bishop and Timothy, but a bishop oversees people that probably and more than likely already had something going. An apostle is one that established something from the ground. And you have a man to God that operates in both area. Uh, it would be amazing, well, I don't think it would be amazing, it's going to be joyous to watch down the years where God takes him. Uh, he's moving, and, and again, uh, most of it he doesn't know what he's doing. Or let me, let me back that up because that didn't come out right. He knows, he knows that he's on a mission. I'm just saying that he doesn't see the total picture, but he's following the unction of the Holy Spirit, which is what all of us should do because all of us are ministers. I said, uh, I think I said briefly the other night, and I want you to understand that the Bible says in Ephesians that you have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the edifying of the body. So, so uh, their job is to make sure that you're able to do your job because we're all ministers. We're all ambassadors. We're all disciples of Christ. So when we come in here and as Pastor Tim and Pastor Bo or those that are leading the service, they're imparting something that you're going to need to do what's required of you. For the Bible says that when it's all over, we're all going to have to give an account for our stewardship. Not an account uh, that I worked my farm, not an account that I worked at the grocery store, but only what you did for Christ, okay, is going to stand. So what are you doing in ministry? And then let me clarify something. I said this on the other night, that people seem to think that ministry has to 100% or pretty close take place in a church. That's not what it's about. Amen. Ministry takes place on your job. There be people that will never come to the Hill Church, but they can hear they can hear a Hill word through you on how God is moving and what God is doing. So I just want to say this, and and I believe if I haven't said it everywhere I've been, I will say it everywhere I go, is that we all have a responsibility to do the work of the kingdom, not just a few, but every last one of us are going to be held accountable and he's going to ask us, what did we do for him? What did we do 
for the kingdom. So I just want to make sure that uh, we, we, we grab that. So that's why it's so important that during a worship service, there's there sermons and, and, and messages, there's healing and deliverance as the praise team is singing. Matter of fact, the Bible is so remarkable that uh, Jesus was coming through this city and that might get me to where I'm going here with scars. And in this particular city, they had outcasts. And these outcasts were called leopards. Okay, and they, they had leprosy. And they were not allowed to be in the city. They were different. They were scarred. So uh, they had stopped him. And his simple words was, go show yourself to the priests. They wasn't in church. I want you to understand that. Go show yourself to the priests. And the Bible says that as they went, they were healed. I want you to understand. As they went, as they, see, see, they wouldn't have went if they didn't believe. See, we're, we're healed and we're delivered by belief and by faith. They trusted the word of this man. That if I go, and they're believing that something's got to be better than the situation that I'm in right now. And the Bible said, as they went to the Hill Church, the morning service, the afternoon service, the deeper conference, as they went to the, the groups where the, the teams are getting together to talk about marriage and how to have a stronger relationship as a unit and also support the ministry of God. As they went, they were healed and they were delivered. The, the kingdom is bigger than a message that might sound like Mary had a little lamb. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation is complete. Um, I'm from a town, uh, Flint. I don't live in Flint, but I went to school in Flint. And Flint uh, was actually, at one time, the hub of General Motors. Even though General Motors put their headquarters down in Detroit, the bulk of the manufacturing base, the bulk of the plants were in Flint. Flint used to have a population of pretty close to 250,000 folks. It's somewhere around 98,000 because the plants start going down. But at one time, Flint ranked number three in the nation per average income capital. The average person made at least $58,000 a year. So here you got this place, this city that was high, but then all of a sudden, things changed. Plants started leaving. People started getting scarred and wounded. And Bo and some other pastors that I know when they come to Flint, it's amazing because uh, per the population that we have, we have probably about 500 and something churches for 98,000 folks now. Yeah, we say it all the time, almost like a church on every block. It's almost like if you can't get a job, go start a church. But God is doing something different. God is not only showing us as people, but God is showing cities 
and God is showing nations, amen, that he's going to be God. My fact, the Bible said that one day he's going to come back and he's going to set up his throne in Jerusalem and that he's going to judge all nations. Amen. Going to judge how we treated people. How we took care of the responsibility that he put in our hands. And I'm telling you that we're living in a day and an age all over this planet where people are being wounded, people are being scarred, and people are hurting. Job tried to capture this, just following the lead of the Holy Spirit here, Kurt, in this verse in Job 24 and 12, where he was talking about a city or community, a place where people were groaning, they were wounded, they were hurt. And it's amazing how, again, from Genesis to Revelation, that God has the answer for every situation. Every situation. And, and I'm going to tell you, uh, uh, most of us, I know I am, uh, anybody ever brought a new car? I mean, at one time or another, you ever brought a brand new car? Oh, you don't like new cars? Okay, that's good too. But where I'm going, they got them in the old cars too. But if you got a car, and I know I get a new car, man, the first thing I'm doing is, I, I mean, the, the, the salesman is showing me some certain things, and, and all I want to do is put the key in, drive, it's got air condition, it's got the radio, I'll find my favorite radio station, you know, put my seat back where I'm comfortable, I can look at the mirror, look out the mirror, and I'm good to go. But when something happens to that car, I know nothing. I don't know much about it. I know I can put air in a tire. I know if the light goes off, I need to change the oil. The point I'm trying to get is that when you buy a brand new car, the General Motors, Ford, Chrysler, Toyota, whoever it may be, their responsibility is to put in your glove compartment a manual that will tell you everything about that car. And most people, when they get a car, whether brand new or used, they fail to look at the manual to keep that car rolling as it should. Am I the only one that not look? I mean, I, I, brought, I brought one five or six months ago. I haven't looked in the manual yet. Amen. I'm just rolling. Amen. And I don't think I'll look in the manual if something happened. I'm just going to take it to the dealership. <laughs> and we do that too. Because it's related to life. So what happens is, when something happened to us, we don't look in the manual, and then we come to church, to dealership. When the manual is right there for us. Every issue, and Job is trying to address that. Because people are wounded, they're groaning, they're hurting. But in the manual, there's an answer for every life situation. Everyone. I said earlier, there's no excuses. Christ had to die for every reason on planet Earth. Otherwise, we would have an excuse and go, you ain't never felt like I felt. You ain't never went through what I went through. Now, I know we say that because we say that to each other, but we wouldn't be able to say that to Christ because he went through everything. He was disfigured with our sin, died for our sin. The Bible said he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace be upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed.
So what God is trying to do, whether it's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and today I happen to mention Job, he's trying to put things in there that help us dig out. When, when, when sin came into the world, weights came into the world. Before sin came into the world, we had no cares, we had no weights, we didn't even know we were naked. They walked around and had no idea that they didn't have any clothes on until they sinned. So sin's got a way of multiplying. It's worse than cancer. It spreads faster, and it is a killer. It might not kill us instantly, physically, but if it kills us emotionally and mentally, it will kill us physically. And Job is looking at this city, and, and, and he's driving through, walking around, and, and, and just like we can go through Stockton or any other city, and we drive right through it. I have drove through my city many times without looking left or right. I was going to my destination. It could have been somebody crawling on the ground. Matter of fact, uh, just the other day, I, I, think it was, I think it was here, we were driving by, and now I got a tendency to look left and right. And I happened to look and some man was carrying a bag and he was just walking down the street and I just happened to look and he was bleeding from his forehead. There's people bleeding around you all the time. Whether you can physically see it, they're bleeding on the inside and we don't look. And what Job is trying to do, he's trying to grab our attention saying, there's people that are groaning there's people that are wounded. There's people that are hurting. Why is that important? Because when we give our life to Christ and we become disciples and ambassadors, it's our job to be his hands and his feet and his voice to help people. Many of you that are sitting in here today has been wounded before you got here. There was a time that you wouldn't even look at a church. Church can't do anything for me. I was talking to John the other day that John, I don't know John's last name, that do the, John Wilson. And John was telling me, man, I couldn't even stand at church. I thought the church was a racket. I was doing my thing. Then Pastor Bo stopped me one day and invited me to church. I said, yeah, I'll come and go because I'm thinking that he's going to help me get to where I need to go. And he said, matter of fact, the service is going on. I was outside and I happened to come in and something happened to me and my life changed and now John looks like he's doing everything he can to make the kingdom work. But his attitude before that was he wanted nothing to do with the church. Hurt, wounded. Many of you sitting here right now can look back and go, I never thought I'd be sitting in church. But you're sitting here because God beckoned you. You didn't get here by yourself. You just can't force your way into the kingdom of God. Don't think that you can force your way into the kingdom of God. You were beckoned to be here. Amen. You're sitting here not by accident. You're sitting here by providence because God has use for you. And what you got to realize is that if God is using me, what does he want to use me for? All you got to do is just sit down on the couch or sit someplace and just take a minute and go, what has been happening in my life? And as you begin to realize what's been happening in your life, your failures, your hurts, your scars, then God will speak to you and go, use that. You get more out of your scars and your wounds and your hurt than you do your bank account. 
See, money can't help everybody. Some people got money, but they're yet hurting and they're yet wounded on the inside. Money cannot buy happiness. I mean, I like to have something to see. <laughs> but if I read it, that's what they tell me. It can't buy happiness. And I believe it to be true. And, you know, it's sometimes I got a few dollars, but once I buy something to eat it, it's, it's over with, and I'm back to where I was before. But, but Job is looking at this situation, this busy city. Uh, he talks about the speed and the movement and the noise that's going around because we're busy people. Man, uh, it used to be years ago, only the husband work. And, and now because life is moving so fast and, and material stuff is out there, houses and, and furniture and all that other kind of stuff, and, and people go, well, I want some of that. So now the wife is coming out of the house and now the wife is working with the husband and, and everything is going, she's going to her job and he's going to her job. She, he's working first shift, she's working second shift. I mean, all kind of stuff is happening. Life is moving so fast that we, somebody said it, maybe she said it when uh, she was praying. And as they were saying, we don't take time to breathe. We don't take time to look. We have to slow it down. And then we have to look at who we are. How can God use me? I guarantee you, I can see it now as I'm looking out. Holy Spirit is talking to me. Many of you in here have been wounded. You've been hurt and you've been scarred. Some in the past. Some going through right now. And my pastor used to say, if you haven't been through something, you're going to go through something. Because you're not going to escape this life without going through something. So Job talks about the groans of the city. Groans in the Hebrew actually comes from the word wounded. Wounded actually refers to being pierced. Jesus was pierced for us. He was wounded for us. And he's given us a way out. He never meant for any of us to feel hurt. He never meant for any of us to walk around being wounded. We might have some scars, but he, he lived that we might be healed. He took all of those weights from us but yet we walk around with them. Why is that important? Again, I can't love my wife right and she can't love me right if she's wounded, if she's hurt. Something's gonna be missing. We can't even talk. It won't be any communications. You can't go to work and be effective and be creative if you're walking around hurt and you're wounded. So somehow we have to come out of that. We know that Christ went to the cross he lived this life that we might come out of this situation right here. I said in the morning service, uh, there was a character in the message, this lady that was prostituted, she was pimped, uh, she was even taken advantage of by police officers, and uh, she thought her life was over. So God actually uh, spoke to her and told her that what you're going through, it doesn't define you. You're gonna define yourself in me. And she slowly found her way into the graces of God. How many know that God is merciful? And God is good. 
How many know that God will deliver you and bring you out? I mean, if you don't know that, you, you, you might be in the wrong church. Because this, this church is preaching right now that God heals, delivers, and set free. That's what we preach here. That's what Pastor Tim just said up here. That's the whole purpose, is that you come in one way and you leave out another way. The Bible says all things pass away, and behold, all things become new. When I walk into a service, whether during a week or whether on Sunday, I'm looking for all things to pass away, and behold, all things become new. Every day should be a new adventure. Every day is an old thing. I don't want to carry yesterday into today. I don't need that. God doesn't carry yesterday into today. God will meet you today, regardless of what happened yesterday. And I feel Holy Spirit saying this again to what I said earlier uh, in the service. There's people in here that made some mistakes, whether it's a, a, a female that had a baby or male, we always want to say the female, but one that had a baby out of wedlock, female because a female carries a baby. Using that situation, and it can be other situations, maybe a situation that my kid got in trouble and he ended up going to jail, and now people want to label him as a criminal. I don't care what it is. We label people and we let that stay in our craw, and we don't do the work of Christ. We start condemning versus talking to them. I said earlier, and it's in the Bible, he did not come in this world to condemn us. Now there is no condemnation, right? So he doesn't condemn. And when we can start condemning people, we're wrong. We can say things to encourage, but let that be the Holy Spirit convicting but not us condemning. When you're condemning people, you're running people away from God because that's not who God is. But when you say something encouraging, matter of fact, it don't have to be negative. If it's encouraging, it will convict somebody because you'll go, I'm not doing that. Maybe I should. So now it begins to swell up and begins to work on you because God wants to use you. He's not a respecter person. Let's get away from this stuff that somebody's better than somebody else. God does not view it. Man view that stuff like that. But God is not a respecter of person. He don't care who you are. He looks at everybody the same. Matter of fact, God's got a policy. I look at it sometimes. I go, man, that's, that's not like man. That's not like the natural sense. But God's got a policy that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. I mean, we don't play that. I was first. I come across the line first. I, I should get the first plate in line. I, I, I should stand and get the gold medal. I was first. God does not look at that situation like that. All of you are gold medals. All of you are standing on the first place in the, on a podium with God. God values your life, and you have to come to grips with that. You have to stop and realize, no matter what kind of turbulence out there, what kind of winds out there, where my wounds are, how I've been scarred, scarred God loves me. He loves me more than my mess. It's amazing to me. I get in trouble all the time. People think that preachers don't get in trouble. We get in trouble more than anybody. <laughs> because we have more demons coming after us. 
The higher you're up, the more demons that chase you and come after you. But I'm in trouble all the time. I got an issue right now. I ain't going to tell you what it is. I've been praying for two weeks. Lord, you're going to have to move this. I ain't liking this one at all. Lord, you're going to have to move this situation right now. And I can already see what God is doing. Before I left and came out of here, God started having me put puzzle pieces in place to remove that issue because it doesn't drop from the sky. We're not preaching something that dropped from the sky. God uses people to do the work of the kingdom. He does. If God was to drop a bag of money out of the sky on your front porch, I know you will receive it, but, but God will go to jail because that would be counterfeit. He would be circumventing our system and God obeys our laws. So, so, so he don't drop stuff out of the sky. L living for Christ and living in this world, folks, is real. We hurt. We are wounded. We have scars. It's real. My scars are real. My heart get hurt. It's real. Things affect me. It's real. So we have to operate in the kingdom, not in a fantasy world, but operate in a spiritual realm that this is real. And when we operate in the spiritual realm, then God is able to do supernatural things to bring you out because now you're connected. So Joe is trying to get us through this city. He's trying to say, come on folks. Not only do I want you to stop and look at people crying and hurting all around you. But if I can get you to do that, maybe you look at yourself. Because you really can't help anybody if you're wounded and scarred and hurting. The worst thing you can do is get advice from someone that's got more problems than you. So, I have several points, and I'm sure my wife is going to remind me. I'm just cutting through the message, um, thinking about Kirk. He goes, what you going to preach about? I go, I don't know, man. I might have said all I had to say in the first service, but there is more. So I want to get to four points if, if, if I can get to them. And once I get to these four points, uh, we'd be fine. Uh, number one, scars shows the healing power of God. It shows that God can heal us when no one else can do anything for us. God is bringing closure. I mentioned that naturally, if you get cut, or you have, a, or yeah, if you get cut, the body has a miraculous way over time to close it and to heal it, to remove the scab, and then you have a scar. So the body has a special power, a healing power to heal itself. Number two, scars keep us from repeating the same mistakes. I said in the other service, and, and I think I'm coming back to this because a lot of times uh, at our church, I'm talking to the women. Because I have a problem when women get taken advantage of. That, that breaks me. I know I got men in my church that are probably looking at me and shooting me with BBs because I hear a lot of stuff hitting the walls behind me, but, but there's a special place in my heart. I have a sister. I wouldn't want to see my sister taken advantage of by a man. 
so I'm always telling the women in the church, listen, a lot of your hurts sometimes come from relationships. And what you need to do is get a checklist. You need to make out a checklist. And when you're talking to someone, you know, here's your checklist. This is what I want. This is what I expect. Because God will give you what you want. And then when this person that's trying to talk to you don't meet that, then you got to tell that person to move on. Until you get the one that's meeting just about all the checks that you want. It might not, out of 10, it might be eight that he meet. Well, you can work on the other two, but it's hard to work on all 10. <laughs> we need to track where we are. We need to ask ourselves, why am I hurting? Why am I feeling this every day? Why is this keep coming up? I mentioned in the first service, uh, one of my men, actually he's my armor bearer. You don't know him so I can talk about him. He won't know because he's not here. But he was married years ago. I'm going to say 15, 20 years ago, maybe 20 years ago. And the person that he was married to moved on. But yet, if somebody says something about a problem in a relationship, here he come with his shovel and his Santa Claus, Santa Claus bag talking about what happened in his marriage 25 years ago. And it's almost like he's talking about it like it happened just today. That's no good, folks. You have to move on. You have to make up your mind that life keep moving. It's a scar. The scar is just to remind you don't go down that path again. Stay away from something that looked like that. But you have to keep moving because God has greater purpose for you. Because if you scarred and you weighed down, you can't do anything. You're stuck. Nobody likes being stuck. Worst thing to do is to go off the side of the road like I was trying to do. I almost did with your car today. I'm sorry. I didn't go off the side of the road, but I wasn't thinking coming from where uh, Bolivar to here. I mean, I thought I was on a roller coaster. I'm going up and down these roads, and, and, and you can't even see the street. Whoop, oh, there's a road going down like that. I should have remembered because Pastor Bo in his truck, I mean, we, we, we're going 10 to 15 feet without hitting pavement. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I was with Casey a year ago going someplace. And the same thing, you're, you're hitting these roads. I've never seen roads like this, where they go up like this, and you have no idea if there's a cow on the other side of that hill. And then your pastor, he's taking me out to this place at night, and he's driving like that. No street lights. <laughs> I don't want to make you laugh here, but <laughs> but life is life is like that. We, we 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 have to go down these paths, and in these paths, uh, um, we have to keep moving. We can't get stuck. You know, and, and, and again, uh, Cherise, not to scare you, but I'm thinking that, I'm thinking the road is all going like this because that's what it was doing, and all of a sudden making a curve like this. And my wife is just sitting there holding her breath, and I'm gunning it trying to get to the service here, right? And 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 that's a nice car because it hugged the curb and I came around like that. I thought I was in a NASCAR. Right? <laughs> I was scared. <laughs> Thank God your car got good brakes. 
I better keep going. <laughs> Number two, scars keep us from, from repeating mistakes. You don't want to make the same mistakes. You need to look at what's bothering you. I mean, nothing wrong with counseling, but you better make sure who you're talking to when they counsel you. Worst thing you could do is talk to somebody, and before you get back home, your stuff is all over Stockton. You have to make sure who you're talking to. And, and, and let me give you a word. If you're talking to someone, I have to be very careful. I, I tell the people at my church, if you go to a church and you see no scriptures, then you need to get up and check out. Because all, of a, all a person is giving you is opinion. You have to have the word of God. We're up here presenting the word of God. So I apply that, I apply that to counseling. If you're going to counseling and a person just giving you an opinion, right? Giving you some psychological book that he might have got from some school and there's no Genesis to Revelations in there, you got the wrong counsel. That's the counsel for the natural world. You need one for the spiritual world to help you get going. Number three, scars draw us near to Christ. It's amazing that probably half the church is in the church because it drew them to Christ. They tried everything else. You know, they, they got high, they got drunk. I mean, uh, everything you can think of, and it didn't work for them. So they go, oh, okay, I guess I'll try Christ. So a lot of people, I know a lot of people, because they had no other place to go, and then once they heard the word, received the word, then they began to walk in the word. So it has a tendency to draw you closer to Christ. Uh, let me read the word since I said that you have to have some word here. Isaiah 53 and 4. I'm almost done here. It says this. The fact is, I'm reading from the easy, read, easy reading version. The fact is, if it was our suffering, talking about Christ, he took on himself, he bore our pain. Hear this closely. He bore your pain. But we thought that God was punishing him, that God was beating him for something that he did. All of that crazy stuff that we saw in the, in the, in the, the movie, The Passion, that helps us think about what Christ went through. Uh, he was bearing that for us. But he was being punished for what we did. Christ was not being punished for what he did. He, he was being punished for what we did. He was crushed because of our guilt. He took the punishment we deserved. We deserved it. And this brought us peace. We were healed because of his pain. We're healed because of his pain. We take our pain and we put it on him. We had all wandered away like sheep. We had gone our own way. And yet the Lord put all our guilt on him. Our God always meets us in our darkest hour. King David, I didn't say this in the first service, so I'll share this with you. King David uh, scars, he had scars from his sins, and he was trying to get through them. He was trying to uh, figure out and, and, and rationalize what's going on in his life. And sometimes you gotta take an assessment. When I pray, uh, I'm not trying to pray like anybody else. Try and play like, pray like me. I mean, I can high five God. Uh, um, 
I can go, hey God, what's going on? It's me, I'm back. All God wants you to do is talk to him. And that's funny because I got three boys and I can remember at one time, I'm trying to get them all to follow a certain pattern, but they're all different. So what I should have been thinking is however they, however they communicate to me, understand them where they are and then provide the feedback. And that's what God does. We're all different. We all talk different. Some got perfect English. You know, some of us got, hey dog, how you doing? <laughs> you know, and, and, and that might sound crazy because I, I heard people actually say that in certain situations. Not that they were really calling God a dog, right? It, it's just the way that they address people. But I think that our God is so big that he's not caught up and that little small stuff. He just wants you to talk to him. Amen. He just wants you to come to him. You know why? Because he can straighten out that hey dog. <laughs> After a, co a couple conversations with him and you begin to like talking to him, you'll be going, hey Lord. He can change that. But we have to start communicating. So David is sitting here trying to communicate to the Lord. And in Psalm 51, 1 and 4, he go, God, be merciful to me because of your faithful love, because of your great compassion. Erase all the wrongs I've done. I mean, I mean, we can say it in our own way, but David is trying to say what we need to be saying to God. And he go in the second verse, he go, scrub away my guilt. Other verses say, clean me. You know, but, but he's using... Uh, in, in this version, scrub. If you got to take a scrub brush, scrub away my guilt. Wash me clean from my sin. I know I've done wrong. I remember that sin all the time. I remember those scars. I remember being wounded. I remember that that person hurt me. I, I remember that they threw me off my job and I didn't deserve to be fired. I, I remember all of this stuff. I remember the sin of the time. I did what you said is wrong. You are the one I have sinned against, Lord. I say this so that people will know that I am wrong, Lord, but you're right. And sometimes we got to say that, Lord, I'm wrong, but you're right. What you decide. And that's how you should end that all the time. I mean, Jesus was perfect in the garden of Gethsemane. I mean, I mean, I would have bailed out a long time ago. And I think he was trying, I think he was headed down that road to bail out. Hey, hey Father, hey, hey, I know me and you're cool, but if you could take this cup from me, because he, he's saying, oh man, they're going to beat me in my back. They're going to jam some thorns in my head. They're going to pierce me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to beat me. I, I'm going to be a mockery walking down the streets of, of Stockton. So, so Lord, you know me, you know, I, I was up there with you. I know I chose to come down here and you allowed me to come. But, but, but Lord, if you could, I don't care how you read that. When you read that, it looked like he was trying to bail out. It looked like it was so much that he looked at, I mean, I get it. He go, why should I pay for Mike Stone? Why should I pay for Tim? Why should I pay for Kirk and, and, and Afton and Cassie? And, why, why should I pay for what they did? I could just see all that coming at him and go, 
they did that. Not me. But, but Lord, and all of a sudden, just what this last phrase says on here, all of a sudden, he come to grips, sweating, where it looked like drops of blood. He go, Father, nevertheless, not my will, but let thy will be done. And that's what we have to do. Lord, I'm wrong, and you're right. I was wrong. I mean, all of us are kindred in some form where we want things to be right. We know it's wrong, but we want to be right in front of people. We, we're going to find a dozen ways to make our situation right when we know deep in our heart it's wrong. And we just have to be able to say, it's wrong. Now, Lord, you decide what's fair. You decide how I should come out of this. And lastly, number four, scars allow us to help others. This is where you become important. Um, when you give your life to Christ and you come into the hill or, or other places, if you're not from this city and you go to church, uh, God is not trying to, uh, like a tattoo, scrub it off your arm or scrub it off your heart. The scar is there. I said in the first service, and I believe it to be true, because the word says it. When we get to heaven and he holds up his hands, we're going to see his scars. Amen. You're going to keep your scars, but you have to make the scars work. Scars are meant to help others. Not for you to be behind that scar and dealing with that scar. It's just a scar. So when someone else in life approaches you in something that was similar to what you got that scar from, then you're there to help them, to let them know that a scar is just a visible thing, but it doesn't define you. Come on, stand on your feet. We're, we're closing down.